Welcome to The Complete Musician, creativity at its core, exploring innovative musical ideas, thoughts, and techniques for the modern musician in today's society, with your hosts, James Nagus and Drew Phillips. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Complete Musician Podcast. I'm Drew. I'm James. <laughs> And it's been quite some time since we've recorded a podcast. It is. And I know what you're thinking. I, you're thinking, who is that person talking right now? But let me tell you, it's still me on a new microphone. Ooh. Was that the reason that you were uh, not on the previous ones? It's because you're getting a new microphone and you just let's, wanted to come back with a bang? Let's say yes. Bang. Awesome. Bang. Well, you came back there with it is. a good one. Uh, well, we just did uh, i know we're not time stamping but we just came off of an exciting couple of weeks we did yes we were uh together on two different occasions and yet here we are recording a podcast uh several hundred miles away again <laughs> it was a really busy two weeks in our defense it was yeah we didn't have time to do podcasting we had important things like recitals and lessons and escape rooms those are very important and they contribute to the camaraderie of the Kormoto horn duo it's true. It's imperative. Team building. Yes. And we also did not have the equipment to do any podcasting unless we wanted to do voice memos on our phones. That's true. And yeah. That and is... why would we do that when I have this fancy new equipment when... that makes my voice sound even, well, I hate my voice, so maybe it's not a good, maybe I should have got worse microphones. I have a new pop filter. Ooh. Test it out. See if it works. Pop, 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 pop. T, Q, T, <laughs> I just imagine the audio coming back and it just sounding awful. It so just I have a new spiked. pop filter and then every single piece like getting punched in the ear. It just spiked like crazy when I did all of that. So I look forward to editing that and inserting some silly sound effects at that point. So you listeners Excellent. are not blasted out of your car or wherever you're listening to this. But yes, we yes. just had a very exciting two weeks. We were at uh, VCU over in Richmond, Virginia. Pat Smith brought us, and we mm -hmm. had a great time teaching and playing and uh, escape rooming and eating food. Yeah, and we did a whole recital uh, with a lot of new works, which is, I mean, what we do normally, but this one had some very, very new works, like your Bloom and your um, Frostfall. Yeah, those were only completed within the last, like, week before we actually did it, because I wanted to do something new, or I wanted right. us to do something new. Um it was pretty pretty new music, and we took that recital, and we did an open rehearsal down at UGA, at mm -hmm. your school, down yep. in Athens, and then we went to Columbus State University with the awesome Anne-Marie Cherry, who has been on the podcast before. She has, yeah. She uh, When I was out of town, and you decided to just do it without me. When I went rogue. Yes. Yes. Uh, but but we those were all good. Yeah. We had fun. We had a great time, and it was a good uh, a good experience for all of us and the students. We got to meet all the students, and we had to teach some of them, and it was uh, it was enjoyable presenting new music. And that recital is uh, still online on the YouTube channel for the Schwab School of Music from Columbus State. So if you're interested, go check it out because there's some really uh, really cool new music there. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. I I think it might be. Um, accessible only by our link. I don't know if it's through their actual channel. Is it? I don't know. 
but I will certainly we have the link, check so on that. Let us know. And we're also going to be posting a uh, little compilation video at some point in the near future from that recital. We will be, and it will contain highlights of the music that we uh, that we played. So if mm-hmm. you want to listen to that, just let us know. We posted it on our Facebook walls, and yes. uh, then you can... Nope, it's still there. Oh, okay. Yep, awesome. I just found it uh, in the moment we go. were talking. So anyway, uh, that was a recap, and maybe at some point we'll talk about planning a tour and what we do and how we rehearse and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but not today. Probably as we figure it out ourselves. Right. Because we totally plan for these and do a lot of planning beforehand. Yeah. Yes. All right. So we're, let's see, four and a half minutes in. What, what are we talking about today? Uh, this is your show. What do you mean? I mean, uh, you came back, so therefore you have to run this podcast. But you started it. You're the one but that gave the intro. You're going. In to fact, you started it. the podcast before I even clicked record. No, I didn't. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to count down three, two, one. You're just like, hello. Oh, you're right. That's what we normally do. Oh, my bad. Um, no. It, well, the thing is, I uh, see. I've been doing these now for a while, and oh, I so see. I started yeah. it, but you're going to end it. Oh, that's very ominous. Mm. All right. Well, let's talk about something that's fresh on my mind. Um, besides the dinner I just had, which was delicious. Besides a salad. Um, I had some Trader Joe's Indian food. Very good. Did you see that the guy who did Trader Day Joe's, or like the owner just passed away? Oh, yeah. Crap. I, so. I really did timestamp this. I'm sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> Rest in peace. Well, we're going to be quick about turning these around and editing. Yes. yes. Uh, but no, uh, fresh on my mind is what I recently wrote my... Uh, horn call next horn call article on and it's something that a lot of my students do and i'm sure i'm guilty of it in the past and that is the old habit of you're you know about to play if your first note of an etude or a solo or something and just for security's sake you play that first note you test the note before you begin playing and that's not really good so the goal here <laughs> is how to break that habit of testing notes before you play and instead tasting the note, what I call tasting the note. And this is something that's been written about countless times by countless different people. But I figure it's always interesting to get a fresh take, uh, hopefully a correct take, or at least a different take, and something that we can talk about maybe, uh, not necessarily even some strategies. I have a couple things, but just, I don't know, the whole concept of it. And uh, for the most part, it's pretty self-explanatory. You can't, it's like in golf, you have, well, no, not even. In golf, we have the mulligan. But say you're playing on the PGA Tour. You go up to that first tee box and you just like, well, let me just get a practice swing here and just like launch the ball. Yeah, a a practice swing where you don't, uh, where you try to actually make contact as opposed to this practice swing just behind the ball like just to get like okay i can still swing the club instead of like i'm gonna hit it and then i'm gonna hit it again yeah the one practice swing is the working on the mechanics and the feel of what does it feel like to hold the club what does it feel like to swing but you don't actually get to hit the ball so in playing we don't actually get to play the note before we start uh the example i put is like if you're playing the the famous solo to chike five uh you're not going to go 
You're not going to just blast that note out just to make sure you got it. Because also, if you don't play it right, uh, do you know the difference? Oof. I think that the golf analogy is actually perfect because maybe you've heard this. I mean, I love playing golf, even though I'm really terrible. And you always hear that the second golfer is always better than the first, right? Like... When you, I mean, I think it's a, a general thing that most people on the first tee take two shots, right? Oh, I always take at least two golf balls to the first okay, tee well, box. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, right. You always take two shots. And we always say, or the people I play with always say that the second guy is always a better golfer than the first guy. But we'd like to get to that place to where the first guy is just as good as the second. And I think that's 100% applicable to horn playing as well, is that we test the note because we're not secure. And then we start the excerpt uh, or whatever again after we've, you know, kind of dipped our feet in the pool to be like, okay, I am secure. And now I'm going to start it. But here's the thing is that uh, when this happens, when we have students that do this, how often do they not play the right note? It, in my experience, it's not that often. It's usually they're playing the right note. So then why are you doing that? Is it, it's mostly for security's sake, right? Yes. So you don't uh, start barreling down the hill at 1,000 miles an hour, but you're on the wrong path, or in this case, the wrong partial. But it, for the most part, everyone's accuracy and, and you know trusting in what notes feel like and sound like is pretty good. So just do it, you know? Just go for it. It's uh, it, it's already there. Like, it's already in their minds. They can sing it. A lot of times I'm like, can you just sing the first note? And usually they get really, really close. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll just play it. The horn's going to set the pitch for you, even if you're, like, really darn close to it. The horn's mm-hmm. going to be there for you. The, the horn is there for you. It will rescue you. And... <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure why. Do you find with your students, because I certainly find this with my students, do you find that they do this more often in a certain range of the horn? Uh, honestly, no. Uh, okay. No, it's it just really depends on... Uh, there really is no uh, commonality. Okay. I find that it's more common with my students in the upper range. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, I think maybe it's because and maybe it's because the lower range a lot of my students are like just kind of blow and pray like all right here it goes <laughs> and then <laughs> and see what happens uh, but I find it in the upper range I also find with my trumpet players a lot in the upper range which is mm-hmm. really weird to me because I'm like uh your notes are really far apart so <laughs> well unless like the generally thing... close mm, okay I mean, I think that's the thing with the high range, of course, is that because everything is so relatively closer together, at least on horn, there's a lot more possibilities for what note that could be. So right. it's just kind of testing the waters of sticking your toe in the pool, you know, right. and seeing what the temperature's like uh, before you just belly flop in there. Oh, belly flop. So what do you do to help students overcome this or get away from it? Uh, well, the first thing is just making them aware that they do it because like so many habits that we have we don't even realize we're doing something sometimes I in fact frequently it's funny that you're talking about this right now because i literally pointed it out to a student today yeah i i like i really did uh i pointed it out to her i said do you realize that you're starting the note 
uh, or you're testing it before you play this passage every single time. And she was doing uh, an etude that uh, that every single time she would go back to the beginning, which is another frustrating thing, but we'll get to that at another point. It's constantly restarting. But it, it, she always tested the note before she did it. And then I stopped it and I said, we, nope, we have to stop this. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you're right, pointing it out. I had to do that today. Yeah, pointing it out and then just calling them out every time they do it. Like any habit, things are they're hard to break. And so being... Um, persistent on that is important. Uh, now, another thing, like you mentioned, is singing. You know, so occasionally, and this is just a, both to test audiation, but also pitch memory, before you even start, be like, can you sing that first note? Just to see, you know, and it's one of those things, the more they do it, and the more they do it correctly, the more confidence they gain in their ability to do so. And I think a lot of this just stems back to confidence and ability to be accurate. I am vigorously nodding. Yes, I can yes. tell. Uh, you can tell. And my last horn call article was about singing. So I recognize mm-hmm. the importance in that. And you're right. I make my students do that a lot is, can you sing the first note? Okay, good. Now you can just play it. So now, it helps a lot. What's a summary? What is, why is that useful? And how does that relate directly to horn playing? Singing? Yeah. Oh just my recap gosh. it real quick. Like uh, what's the, the short version? The oh. too long, didn't read version. Uh, the, the benefits of singing are, uh, there are too many to list. It helps with oral skill training. It helps with intonation for my students. It makes me think of vowel sound. Uh, hmm. yeah. It, the vowel sound. Can we talk about that real quick? Cause that's sure. a big one for me too. Vowel sound. Yeah. Um, y- yes. It uses vowels. <laughs> we don't. I, I don't make them sing on mm, like I don't make them sing on m's or or t's or I don't make them s- their mu- their music. Right. Which also, well, tizzling is a thing that some people that is a thing. It's useful in certain situations. Yes, but I uh, I make them sing on the vowel sound that I want them to play with. Yeah, because then that mirrors the what the oral cavity is doing. Yes, it is. Right. Yes, and it that is. is useful for tasting the note. Just like if you're ah, whistling okay. something or uh, whisper singing or, uh, as okay. Eli Epstein calls it, finger breathing. Okay. I've I've never thought of it in regards to tasting, but, yeah, it it certainly can relate. Talk more about that. That's it. No. That's it. That's so, <laughs> well, Wait, I wanted to uh, learn. <laughs> <laughs> the way I see it is is that not only does it put your face into a shape of a note so if a low note if it's ah then you know we're dropping our jaw a little bit or moving it forward and we're using a slower warmer air because i think air speed and air type also has a lot to do with our ability to be accurate so Mm -hmm. in the high register if we're e if we're intensifying our air and we're compressing our air like the you know thumb over garden hose Mm -hmm. then we're using our probably going to be starting with a better more uh, efficient or uh, appropriate airstream than if we were just simply blowing a random note and just going bleh, you know, with our air. <laughs> bleh. Yeah. Exactly. Which, I mean, I I make sounds like that from time to time on the horn. <laughs> You've met me. <laughs> bleh. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, the the benefits of singing are just, there are too many, and I, I, I like that. Um, the vowel sound being uh, recreating what, airspeed you want on the horn and that absolutely helps taste it and i think that goes into using your air to start notes 
making it more about the exhalation than the physical setup of what you're actually doing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yes, we have to taste the note. Um, what are your thoughts on making a note start? Uh, of course, tasting, but related to air more than chops. Is that what you're thinking? Oh, or is that, that a combination a, of both? That's a big part of it. And actually, that's a perfect segue into kind of a way that we can practice this. I didn't which plan is... that. <laughs> nope. Nope. Um, but it's just, it makes sense. And, and that's uh, a, a thing that I do. It's like a three-step process that I originally stole from Jeff Nelson. Um, but I, you know. So there's credit where where it's due. You are a thief uh, of joy. Yes. Totally. But uh, so this is, it's, what it helps is, is getting notes and figuring out dialing and airspeed for different notes around the range. And I find this really helpful, especially for low notes and the kind of realization of how slow and actually how little air we need to make low notes speak. Mm-hmm. And then conversely, what it means for the high register. So the uh, step one is to blow your air from slow to fast, and then just the note will speak when it does. So you pick a note, like let's say G in the staff. So you just blow your air, and then the note starts. Mm-hmm. But you start with air. Um, so when once air you attack? Uh, not even. It's just uh, okay. the note will begin when the air is at the right speed to create the vibration in the lips. Okay. But you're setting your embouchure for that note. So okay. you're tasting that note, but then you're starting your air slow to fast. Once gotcha. you've dialed in the air speed so you know exactly how fast or what the threshold is, step two is starting that note on an air attack at that speed of air. So you're not crescendoing your air. You're starting at a certain level. Right. And you know that that's the minimum speed and type of air that you need for that note to speak. Mm-hmm. And then you add articulation into the picture, which is not an attack, but it's more of a release. So you're controlled releasing that air at that speed on that note. And that works really well for me. Cool. Do you think that this, it sounds like this could be really helpful when doing things like intonation exercises because you're playing the note where you think it is and maybe where the instrument is setting it and that can help you figure out some of your tendencies? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's a number of ways that we could even make sure that we're playing in tune, right? Right. We're doing this. Do you have any ideas on that? No. I just, (laughs) no. I just wanted to say that that (laughs) particular technique was, uh, it sounded very useful. I talked with a student about intonation today and, you know, knowing your tendency. So I like uh, that, going from slow to fast and starting the note when it starts, not forcing it all the way through. But I think that helps you taste it or, or get your air, like you said, dialed in to where it needs to be. Right. And you could definitely do this with a tuner and or drone if you wanted to check where you stand on things. Right. I think that with this whole topic of testing the note before you do it, it's definitely insecurity. I think that we've all gone through about insecurity of, oh, my gosh, is this going to speak? And at some point, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I think it's also a mind over matter thing. And I think that in the end, sir, like we have to taste the note and we have to dial our air in and we have to make sure that we are set up to do the entrance successfully. I think it's also a mental thing of not actually caring so much about just the beginning of the first note. And in my experience, 
when students concern themselves with just the beginning of that note, the first entrance, sometimes things after it tend to suffer because they're not thinking in a long way. Like they're not thinking mm -hmm. in the long phrase and with a long airstream, it's just an airstream that's aimed at that first entrance instead of concerning themselves with uh, thinking in longer passages. So once I think you stop caring about just the beginning of the first note, just the entrance and start thinking to further, like thinking about the fourth note or the fifth note or wherever your goal is in the passage, the peak of the phrase that you're about to create, then I think entrances become a lot easier because it's like, I, I describe it with my students as the air is already moving and it's already like this really quick moving train that you're just catching a hold of. So it's mm -hmm. already flowing. So you're just uh, inhaling and the exhale is just this already moving momentum. I'm making lots of arm gestures that I know you can see and no mm -hmm. one else can see. So <laughs> I want everyone to imagine the pantomiming that I'm doing to... Uh, oh, I'm this, sure all of our students can imagine all of our wild hand gestures while they're playing. They're trying to focus and we're just like moving our Ooh. hands forward and going... <laughs> And this all of windmill this windmill effect that I tend to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so right. anyway, that's that's a that's what I like to think of it. Not caring so much about the entrance the entrance of the note, but thinking about it as part of this big long phrase helps me and my students not think of just the beginning, not have to test it and commit to a phrase. No, you're right. I think there's definitely a a bit of paralysis paralysis through analysis that can happen. And instead, if you just focus on the musicality. So just sing this phrase or play it as if you would sing it, you know, or think about, like you said, the phrasing. Um, I know there are people like uh, Bud Herseth who have some great quotes about play the musicality and the technique will fall into place, you know, that kind of yep, stuff. I love that. Um, so I think the goal here really is to build the muscle memory so that when you go to play the music and play the phrase that you're training yourself how to start notes, and you don't even need to think of it after a certain point. You just go up to that tee box and swing. And I'll say from the golf perspective, some of my best drives are, like you said, when I don't care, I put the ball down, I just go, well, here it goes, and then I hit it, and I'm like, wow, how did that happen? It actually went straight this time. <laughs> I We do not... Uh, condone not caring about anything. However, a certain Healthy level apathy. of apathy is good in some situations, uh, especially when you're thinking about improvement and critique. Uh, I like to operate under the play first, examine later principle when mm -hmm. you're improving but yeah i uh i think that those are those are really good thoughts uh especially like you said from the technical perspective tasting the note getting the muscle memory and then the mind over matter more creative side is just play the music the way you want to and don't care so much right whenever we say apathy i think we're more saying quiet the negative mental chatter Agreed. That's what like, we mean by apathy. Yeah, change the dialogue to be positive as opposed to always um, always thinking about all the flaws and critique that you possibly could. So you have the two little people on your shoulders, the good and the bad side, right? And the good side can be your mentor or teacher. The bad side, change it from a bad person to like Patrick Starr with a completely empty head just going... Duh. With the milk carton tipping over his where his mind is, is an, an enigma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, that's what I do. That's why I have a little Patrick Star right here above my uh, computer setup. That's that why you, of a course Patrick you can't Star see. In my office. 
Oh, nice. but uh, oh yeah, I, I do know it's there, and I uh, that's why I have a Patrick Star in my office because yep. he's so happy and he's so empty and oh, oh yeah. Well, those are that was some good thoughts on that. I think it's uh, it's good to re- just think about once in a while, and from a teacher perspective, just it's another thing that we can help our students break the habit of. Agreed. Um, so awesome. All cool. right, want to take a short little break? Yeah, let's take a short little break, and then we're going to come back and play a game. Ooh. Ooh, because we love games, a la Jeff Agrell. All right. Uh, we may not learn anything, but it will at least have fun. Hey, you with the mouth, come here. Are you tired of offending everyone you meet? <laughs> Your children cry when you smile. <laughs> Do you regularly eat onions before singing an opera? <laughs> Well, this is for you. Smash Mouth Mouthwash for musicians like you. Fresh bread like a punch in the mouth. Smash Mouth Mouthwash is not affiliated with anyone or anything ever and is not an official sponsor of the Complete Musician Podcast. Okay, we are back and we're here to play a game. I like games. All right, so... You know how we've done games that we've kind of gotten to know each other or that we've let the audience kind of into, you know, our lives a little bit, but not like super personal? Oh, you mean like my least favorite thing in the world, icebreakers? Right, which I can't believe you don't like icebreakers. I think they are just so fun. I like the the mints, the gum icebreakers. Those are pretty tasty. That's very, nope, that's, that's, nope, doesn't count. Uh, I very much enjoyed the icebreaker we did at Columbus State, where we asked the <laughs> studio if they had a penguin, what would they name him? Right. That did tell a lot about people. It really did. And I think I learned a lot about the students. But uh, that's not what we're doing today. We're not playing penguin games. Oh, okay. So today we're playing uh, an opinion game. Okay. So We both have lots of opinions. We do. And I'm going to need you to defend your opinion on these statements so there's just going to be a bunch of fill in the blank statements and you have to state your answer and then defend it okay okay i just slightly knocked into my microphone there okay well hopefully there won't be a ton of dropouts like (laughs) you know a really bad high school okay we're gonna start with a softball question okay i do not watch sports i will okay it's (laughs) we (laughs) we are starting with an easy question I will also answer, okay? This is an opinion. Okay, the best combination plate order at cookout is... Oh, gosh. This just has to be instinctual, correct? I can't... Can we argue things? I mean... I can argue with you if I don't like your answer, and you can argue with me because there will certainly be ones that we argue on. Okay, I'm going to say the Cajun chicken sandwich with a side of Cajun fries and a quesadilla. Okay, what about your drink? Oh, uh, I'm going to upgrade for a dollar, and I'm going to get a shake. Oh. And yeah. Okay. If I had to get soda, it would definitely be Diet Coke. It what? would not be the worst soda on okay, the hold on. Oh, well, Earth. Uh, you, oh, hold on. We'll get there, because I yes. know you're going to argue with me on this one. So that Thanks. is, so Cajun chicken, Cajun, that's a lot of Cajun. Yeah, I like spice, you know that. I yeah. I, the only problem I have with that Cajun seasoning on the fries is that it like no matter how many times you brush your teeth over like two days, it never goes away. Mm. It does tend to linger. Yeah, 
But it's that's not the worst thing to linger. It's true. It could be worse. It could be, you know, a dirty towel or something that lingers. Hopefully you're or not a getting a dirty f- towel at cookout. I don't know what cookout you're going to. <laughs> or a Oh, well, Lynchburg, you know. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> All right, what's your favorite tray? All right, best combination plate order. Spicy chicken sandwich. Okay. Two corn dogs. And, <laughs> and of course, the cheer wine. Oh, it's so good. I don't know why you Especially don't like it. Especially when you drink it warm, because that's what you do, if possible. Uh, well, <laughs> okay. That really let people into my life, and we will get there. But yes, I do like cheer wine, <laughs> and it is not... It's it cough is, syrup. It is it's not cough carbonated syrup. cough syrup without any that. of the medical benefits. It is wrong. It is cherry-flavored goodness no it's cough syrup that actually doesn't heal you it gives you diabetes it makes it makes me think that okay this is a weird analogy but drinking cheer wine makes me think it's like a cherry flavored soda from like the olden times i imagine it just comes out of like a freshly brewed barrel like it's just so nice and well you and the golden girls cheer cheer wine (laughs) i i don't know if dade county has cheer wine but if they did because they don't have sweet tea so i Mm. anyway okay well that's uh, that's a uh, agree to disagree on that yeah we can i will let you do that okay uh next opinion the best area of the country is the area that you call home that's nope Nope, nope, <laughs> boo. Where your friends and family are. Boo, that's way too Hallmark Christmas movie. Yeah. Give me uh, an opinion. Oof. Okay. Oh, boy. You know what? There's something really special about the area like where Yellowstone is. This kind of, hmm. or at least the threshold between where things turn into the Mesa, like with Moab and Zion Park, and then if you keep going east, and then it gets into this wilderness with mountains. I would say mountainous areas. Like, okay. I guess if I had to narrow it down, mm-hmm. you have something. Mm. Colorado is pretty great. Okay, that's cool. I've I've not spent a lot of time there, but it is uh, it's very beautiful to fly over. Yeah, yeah. Um. I would say the best area of the country is undoubtedly, I would say the South. Mm-hmm. Not because I've lived here forever, not because I still live currently here, but because it's warmer than the rest of the country. Yeah, you're right. And yeah, I can't yeah. stand cold weather. Okay, I'm going to change my answer because I don't want to live anywhere cold anymore. Wow. So I'm going to say <laughs> an area that I haven't been to but I've heard is really nice is like the coast of California but upstate. More upstate. Uh, not like San Francisco or anything like that, because that's freezing. Oh, okay. Well, then how it's about... rigid there. Uh, Gary, Indiana. Okay, music man. Well, uh... Oh, no, I've actually... It's just... It's legitimately a terrible place. <laughs> I've driven through it many times. It's Apologies to our, flan- oh, to our fans from Gary, Indiana. No. No, no, no we're not apologizing. They it's should true. apologize this is to me. <laughs> this is an opinion game, and your opinion is your own opinion, and you are validated in that. Okay, good. Well, yes, See, I think the South because it's. I really like the South. Honestly, uh, Georgia is pretty great. It I is do pretty. Really nice enjoy, uh, at least northern Georgia. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. It, it has things. 
It does have things. Okay, ready for our next one? Yep. All right. This is an unpopular opinion. Okay, here it is. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is a fill in the blank. Blank's music is not as good as everyone thinks it is. Oh, wow. Do we have any other qualifiers or is this no. just as vague as possible well, well this is uh, there's gonna be like a kind of classically related one to this later so mm -hmm. i was thinking more mainstream i'll go first okay. okay i'll okay. go first with my very unpopular opinion that we will lose fans over yeah i think prince's music is not as good as everyone thinks it is mm. i am not a big fan when raspberry beret or purple rain oh. comes on the radio i immediately change it yeah I, I it think... is just not i can't stand his little screechy voice i can't like it's not singing to me i am not a fan and that is unpopular but i am not a prince fan sorry to all the people from minnesota yeah that's that's a very fair thing actually i'm gonna go a similar route and okay. i'm gonna say the rolling stones Mmm, I actually agree with you. <laughs> I, again, much. it comes down to the singing. I just don't and, like it. And nope. Sorry. Nope. There you and go. My, unpopular opinions. <laughs> my other thing, and this is unpopular because of all the moms out there, children's uh -oh. choirs. Ooh. Ooh. No. Just don't. Just <laughs> interesting sounds emitting Screaming. from those... That's all it is, is kids <laughs> screaming at the top of their lungs, shouting words. And then jumping up and down, and then pulling their dress over their heads, and then like spinning in circles, and then throwing right. up. Yeah, and then screaming, hi, mom, and waving. It's pretty much every, that's uh, it. every, yeah, every children's concert. All right, next one. Uh, <laughs> another opinion. The section in the orchestra that sounds the most ridiculous when they screw up is... The cymbals. <laughs> think about it you had one job just all of a sudden the Dagieto of Mahler 5 just a sudden cymbal crash um, that's a, I like that I like that very specific example as well um, so percussion I will say in general because there's okay. so much uh, comedy of errors potential they with are cymbals or timpani rolls or like a snare drum hit. They you know, are it's a, a rim play. shot. <laughs> yes, they are a tragedy play amongst themselves. Like it is. Yeah, yeah. I would say um, that the the section that sounds the most ridiculous when they screw up is, in my opinion, I think it's hilarious when the trumpets screw up. Mm -hmm. Because what's that old adage? Like if the trumpets fail, everyone fails. Mm. Like that's. I think, you know, because, like, horns, uh, well, we don't screw up a ton. And if we do, well, it's just kind of expected. But the trumpets with that, like, piercing sound. Mm. Mm -hmm. Couldn't you just imagine the rondo from Mahler, five, or Mahler 7? When a horn messes up, it's like getting a little bit of mist when you walk outside, when a trumpet mm -hmm. messes up, it's someone punching you in the face. <laughs> it's a very sharp blow to the jugular. Right. Is that it sounds Which like. Which makes it also yeah. entertaining. It is. I w that's why I said ridiculous. Because, yes. it, it, yeah, because it can also be funny. Okay, here's another unpopular opinion. Mm. Okay, so this is from our literature. The piece blank is not as good as everyone thinks it is. And I think I will know your answer... <laughs> 
or, or something close to it because it may be the same as mine. Okay. Um, can I just lump two pieces into one composer and say the horn music of Robert Schumann? Oh, Either that's okay. Adagio and Allegro or the Concertstück. Okay, not what I thought you'd say, but I, I, yeah, especially Adagio and Allegro, yeah. Because I don't like either of those pieces. <laughs> you know, okay, the Concertstück sounds cool, it's just too hard. It's just not well written. I don't know, it's kind of musical in that first, like, the first page is kind of pretty. Kinda. He should have written it for something else. Well, it would have been, like, great as, I don't know, anything else. <laughs> um... Well, I'm going to take that then and lump two composers into or one composer and two pieces together, which I think you know of. Uh, the Strauss Concerti are not as good as everyone thinks they are. Mm, that is unpopular for sure. And I'm sorry, Strauss won. It's a standard. Fine, we hear it all the time. Maybe that's why I'm sick of it. Strauss two. Oh, I'm so sick of Strauss two. <laughs> like, it's a violin concerto for the horn. It's like, is it? Okay, am I wrong in thinking this? Didn't Franz Strauss not even like it? Uh, with the first concerto. Oh, he didn't like the first one. Right. Okay. Did he like Strauss too? Was he alive? I don't Strauss know. Too, Strauss too was at the I end mean, he of wrote the first life. one for his dad, but like... It, I'm pretty sure true. he wasn't alive. Was he not um, alive? Well, then he's maybe probably... Maybe he was a ghost. Maybe he was rolling in his grave. I don't know. Yeah. But I... The Strauss Concerti, there are so many more better pieces than just like Strauss 2. Ugh, I'm just, that's not like the pinnacle of all pieces, which I just feel, and I say that, and I did it for all my master's auditions, because I learned the whole darn thing, and it just, mm -hmm. bleh, I just, if I never had to play it again, I'd be okay. It, it just has a slight identity crisis, I think. It's not sure what it is. I mean, the second movement, I think, is very poignant if you put it's, it in history, and what was yeah. going on at the time he wrote it, but the yeah. other movements... And it's Unless, the most idiomatic, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, and, of course, we could analyze everything with the context and the lens of, like, well, you know, this is what happened when it was written. This is why. And this, But I guess your thing is aesthetically just from that perspective and playability yeah. not as good as everyone thinks it is. And just why does something have to be hard to be nice? It doesn't. It can be whatever. Can we uh, just really quickly talk about why why do we play it in E flat I honestly uh, this is a gap in my horn knowledge I don't know yeah do you know no oh so it's just I a, can only I don't assume know. it's because it, it visually looks better yeah instead of having to play high C's at the end it's like oh look it's a it's uh or what's it? It's the other way. Oh no, it is. It looks <laughs> like high D's. Okay, it looks awful. Yeah. <laughs> it looks awful. I don't know. Is it just because we're martyrs and just want to make everything harder on ourselves? Uh, because that's what it feels like. Yeah, I, I really don't know. You know what? I don't know if I've ever seen a Strauss two part that's written in F. Nope, I haven't, and I don't know why and it should be. That's I just mean, mean. Yeah, it all comes down to key signature, I think. But who cares? We can deal with it. Uh, or anyone that's played a musical can deal with a key signature. That's true. <laughs> you you're all right about them. that one. Yeah. Um, okay. Blah on Schumann. Blah Strauss. Uh, okay. Here's the next one. This is very open ended. Okay. Okay. Like a Chinese finger trap. Uh, yes. Okay. Blank is better than blank, and don't you forget it. 
Wow. You can insert anything in here. Okay, I'll go first. Yes, I need to I'll tell you what I thought. You go first. Okay. The minions are better than gremlins, and don't you forget it. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Yeah, gremlins are annoying. Minions are hilarious. And if you want to make me smile, you will reference minions in my presence because those are some of my favorite movies of all time. The Despicable Me ones and the minion movie. I went and saw it. I can't tell you how many times in theaters because I think those <laughs> little yellow creatures are the funniest <laughs> things on the planet. <laughs> anyway, those minions are better than gremlins. Fight me. Mm. Okay. Unless um, you agree, which is fine. Uh, no. No, I've actually only seen one, <clears throat> one of the movies with minions anyway, I oh. think. Oh, it had a okay. tiny toilet in it, so, you know, that's all I remember. <laughs> tiny toilet. the first one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Ah, curse you, tiny toilet. Yeah. Um, okay. The Office is better than anything else on Netflix. <laughs> and don't you forget it. I think that is a very popular general consensus. <laughs> so that is a very popular opinion. Yes. Oh, we didn't yes. have to say it was un- had to be unpopular. Ooh. Okay. So, what do you think about like? It, I, well, I think I know the your episodes thing. before Michael left are better than the ones after. Oh, that. Oh, that's huge. Yeah. yeah. I. 100%. I haven't even watched the last season, and I never will. Nope. I never will. If Steve Carell's not there, I don't care. The yeah. end. That's an unpopular opinion. I don't care about The Office after Michael left. Done. Mm. Mm-hmm. Done. Okay. Next one. Pineapple on pizza is blank. A wasted opportunity. <laughs> a wasted opportunity. Please explain. Because if you got a topping, why wouldn't you do something actually delicious like anything else? So you are not a fan? No. I've eaten it before. It's fine. Like, I can eat a pineapple and, what, ham pizza? Yeah. Yeah. But it, the problem is, is that pineapple is juicy, right? What happens when you cook a juicy fruit? It gets all over the rest of the pizza and makes it soggy. So there goes your crust. <laughs> Um, and it's also the texture of pineapple, if not prepared correctly, is kind of chewy, which just ruins the mouthfeel of the pizza. The the mouthfeel. I like that word. Mm-hmm. I am going to disagree with you. I think pineapple on pizza is pretty good. It's not my favorite topping, but it's pretty good. And I'd be okay with it. I mean, you're. it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to be wrong. No one's perfect, right? Right. Nobody's <laughs> perfect. There you go. Okay, uh, next one. People saying good luck to you before you perform is... A death sentence. (laughs) And the worst thing you can do. (laughs) Is the rudest thing possible. Oh, really? I need luck? Is that what you're saying? I need luck. All of these hours of preparation? Right. (laughs) There's the possibility of failure? Oh, thank you for reminding me before I go play for you. I appreciate your vote of confidence. And everyone says it good-natured, but you should know. Instead, say something like, have fun, play pretty. Best, uh, yeah, do your best. Like, even that is okay. Yeah. (laughs) Well, okay, was someone going to go on stage planning not to do their best? (laughs) Wait, we know a (laughs) lot of people. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Uh, no, no one does that. But, no, that, I think, saying good luck is a, a disease that we need to inoculate early. And we need to, mm-hmm. I, I can't stand it. It is my goal to eradicate that phrase from all life. Mm-hmm. Good There's luck. only a few situations where that's appropriate. I think probably skydiving is one. 
because <laughs> no, that's a terrible. Yeah, but one. there's so many more variables. Like a bird could fly by and get caught in your parachute. You're <laughs> the person you're skydiving with could just I don't know. Let's sleep, let's fall asleep. <laughs> let's list inappropriate places to say good luck. Uh, surgery, <laughs> a if funeral. You, yeah, if you're uh, the doctor. Uh, a funeral would be a pretty bad place to say good luck when the server gives you your food (laughs) at a restaurant (laughs) good luck (laughs) at a movie theater good luck before you you, uh walk in after they hand you your ticket good luck when you go (laughs) right when you board uh any attraction at a carnival yes as i was just thinking i was like any like roller coaster built on you know wooden rickety wooden beams at a Mm -hmm. a, at a scary carnival yeah those are pretty bad places and in addition to any time before you perform yes done done the end don't say that phrase especially not to me okay uh here's the next one watching a movie at home is blank than watching a movie in the theater better in every way shape and form (laughs) okay even, i'll have to explain myself but you what, what's your thought oh no i i agree with you but even the blockbusters like the ones that just come out with that huge imax sound that just seeks to make you go deaf you don't like sitting in a theater and having your eardrums blown out yeah that's the thing is i i used to like to go to the theater but these days number one it's too loud way too loud and way too loud uh the seats are sticky Oftentimes, especially if it's one of those theaters that serves food and then someone's already walking around like, hey, you want your nachos? And I'm like, I'm trying to watch a film here, please. Uh, I just think about how your I just think about how your shoes go. Yeah. And every single step you take. Gross. Yeah. No. And then uh, my head always hurts going to films, but I think that's because I forget to blink because I'm so (laughs) focused on the screen. I literally like have my eyes open for too long periods of time. (laughs) This is something I never thought I'd hear anyone say. <laughs> just forget to blink. Okay. That's, Unless what? it's a boring film and then you fall asleep. I've definitely fallen asleep in the movie theater. Uh, also, people kicking your seat, that's not going to happen at home. Children. At home, you have more comfortable yes. seating. You have a bathroom nearby. You have a pause feature. You have a refrigerator. You, have you can make your own food. You could bring people and like chat, or you could have like a puppy. You could have all kinds of things. There's so many things better about watching a movie at home. Yeah. Poor theater industry. I mean, they're like... It's also way cheaper. Truth, way cheaper. And in truth, I think they're really suffering because no one goes to the movies anymore. Right. I'll say the one exception would be, like, you should experience an IMAX at least once. At least the true IMAX that it's all around you. That is interesting. I don't know. It's... Ah, they're just so darn loud. The last two i've been to is just they're way overpriced and then i mean my eardrums they feel like they've been assaulted with you know like needles when i go in there it is like someone has taken q-tips and stabbed us you know in the ears like we used to when we were little Um, and in the 90s when no one knew it was unsafe to (laughs) stab our ears with cotton swabs if i ever had to go to a movie if i was dragged into one i would legitimately bring my musician earplugs and wear those I held my I have held my ears in a theater before because of how loud it is. Yeah, it's awful. Anyway, um, okay, so we agree on that one. Um, okay, next one. Soda with ice is usually a good idea, but terrible. I know you were gonna say that. Yep. Uh, 
And I can understand why you wouldn't want watered-down soda, because that's an inevitable byproduct or side effect of ice, is that over time, it'll dilute your soda. And tastes like diet soda, which is awful. Yes. Well, maybe that's where it's okay. Um, but nothing beats on a warm, a hot summer day, just that crinkling of ice in your glass, a nice crisp soda, you know, so cold that your lips almost stick to the glass. Is it, is it like an ASMR experience, just hearing that little twinkling of glass? <laughs> Speaking of theaters, it's like when they do the commercial for Coca-Cola and they just play that Foley effect of the Coke. Oh, you're, suddenly you're thirsty. The... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or it's so conditioned. Yeah, yes. it's soap oblivion. Yeah. Um, no, soda with ice is terrible. It hits your upper lip and freezes to it and sticks there, and it hurts, and it's uncomfortable. It's that sensation of burning and freezing at the same time you're because it's so cold it's hot. You're not supposed it, to keep the glass up to your face for more than, like, three seconds. It doesn't matter. The ice cubes are always <laughs> – there's a variable. Uh, like, there's variables. They are either way too big or sometimes they're way too small. The crushed ice is better, mm-hmm. but – Ice takes up room. You don't get nearly as much soda. That's true. And so I, and this is a fact that you'll know about me, if you don't know, I really love drinking hot soda. I think that it has so much more flavor. And by hot, you mean room temperature. I, yes, not like heat up in the microwave. No, I mean like room temperature soda is my favorite. Um, So if you want to, uh, you know, send me some soda. Make sure that you do not include any ice with it. It would melt by the time it got here, and I would enjoy any pack just as it is. Well, I mean, I think you're actually right. Scientifically, I think there are more flavors that we either can pick up through our taste buds or that I don't think it's more released. I think it's just what we pick up when things are at a kind of medium temperature. So, like, if, a, I don't know, if coffee cools down or if, like, beer warms up, for example, there's you get more flavor not when it's at its hottest or coldest, but somewhere in between. So science has vindicated me. Well, I, feel I suppose good. so. Sweet. All right, and then our last one. Uh, I'd rather be blank than blank. You got to go first. I got to think. Okay. I said I would much rather be hot than cold. I Ugh. hate being cold more than anything. I would much rather be hot and sweaty and nasty then have to sit under a blanket and freeze i hate it hate it okay i have situations for both sides of that coin (laughs) okay uh in general i'd rather be cold because i can always add layers to be warm a certain point you can't remove things to cool down but in any performance situation i would rather be sweating and too hot than slightly too cold yes absolutely um okay I would rather be blank than blank. That's that's what it is? That's what it is. It can be anything. <laughs> the first thing that popped in my head was alive than dead. <laughs> hey, that's <laughs> very... <laughs> that's legitimate. Uh, I would rather be... Oof. Oh, gosh. there's That's just so open-ended. I know. We'll fill it with... We'll fill this time with fun, you know, music. <laughs> And it's certainly not the Jeopardy thing because that's the no. you have to pay royalties on that. Ooh, uh, no. Maybe you'll make a little like really bad version of it where you miss all the notes. I think I know exactly what I'm about <laughs> to do. Improbably, <laughs> yeah. Hooray! Um, I would rather be. 
or uh, you could change it to something you would prefer over something else, like even do an unpopular opinion. You could change it to that. Like, yeah. I would prefer Chick-fil-A over Zaxby's. As most people would. I yes, think. if they're sane. Okay, so you yeah. can change it to that if you want. Um, I would prefer a burr grind coffee over a, a, a blade uh, ground coffee. I don't and know what either <laughs> that means, but keep the, going. The sigh and shrug that you just did was classic. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, that's I don't super know what lame. you're saying. Okay, fine. Um, I would rather... Uh, yep, keep that guttural sound going. It's good. <laughs> Have you ever noticed in ear training when you taught it that... It's only one key. It's A major. Whenever I make them play, sing an A major, they all like default to their like, like the guttural sound noises. Even if I'm like coming from B flat, where it's like they're singing a normal voice and then suddenly A. I don't know why they do that. Why do kids do that? It's baffling. I don't know. I don't either. Oh gosh, I, this is too tough a question. You finally stumped me. Yes. I, I don't have an answer. Yes. I'm thinking too grandiose. Yes. Uh, I would rather play anything than viola. <laughs> oh, I go for the easy pun. You do. You could have, uh, or an acceptable answer would have also been bassoon. Bassoon. Yes. Yeah. That would have been another acceptable B- Bedpost. <laughs> the farting bedpost. That's all it is. And the viola is just uh, non-tunable firewood. Hmm. Perfect. Okay, I have one that's just topical for just right now. I would Ooh, rather yes. eat a pup. <clears throat> Excuse me. I just get choked up thinking about it. <laughs> I would rather eat a Publix chicken tender sub than pretty much any fast food within a three mile radius of where I live right now. <laughs> but I thought Publix was within, it's within three miles. Yes. But I'm saying, yeah. uh, for, I mean, everyone knows oh. where I live. So everyone knows all. I have just every fast food option within three miles of my house. And you your know. address is? Uh, oh, they're Whoa. so good. Yeah. Public I, subs. Pub subs. I'm, especially I, the chicken tendy. So I've good. Never, oh, chicken tendies. I've never. Uh, it's very Baby Yoda of you. I've, um, I've never had a chicken tendy sub, but I intend to at some point. Yeah. Yeah. They're good. Very good. Cool. Well, that is our opinions. Some were popular. Many were unpopular. And if you want to argue with us, then you can feel free, but don't add us because we are right. Just kidding. You can argue with us. That's fine. We actually encourage arguments. It's much more fun. And you can argue with us by commenting in our YouTube video or sending us an email at coremotohorn at gmail.com we also have our individual websites and emails listed below uh look be on the lookout for some more podcasts coming soon uh, after we've done our tour and be on the lookout for our recital video that we're going to compile together from uh, csu if you didn't get a chance to catch that live stream or don't want to go listen to the whole thing we'll have a greatest hits Mm -hmm. that will go up Uh, more content coming soon so thank you all for listening we very much appreciate it and we appreciate your support if you have topics you want us to talk about or uh, fun games you want us to play please submit to us because we will play fun games or do silly things if you ask us we will and we'll see you next time yeah so thanks for listening bye bye (laughs)